1: Welcome, welcome, welcome! You're listening to the Ask Brian Show on KHCs 1220 and 98.1 FM. Like no other station in the world. Why do you do that? Do what? That like is it like a slogan part or something? Like no other station in the world. Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I I guess I'm really good at doing that impersonation. So
1: is it true? Are you going to become <laughs> the assistant uh, engineer? I am. I'm my own assistant. <laughs> I'm the. You <laughs> need an assistant? Is that, no. Why do no. you need an assistant?
0: Why do I need an assistant? You tell can you me. Go to,
1: can you go to the bathroom by yourself? Like you need a, an assistant?
0: Like, like every
1: <laughs> functioning person, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of unfunctioning people. I mean, yeah. I'm not one of those. Uh, let's not go into that. <laughs> so everyone, we're listening to the Ask Brian radio here show, uh, and it's spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, and it's not spelled B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N, and people are always asking that, so if you've never listened to the show... We're gonna tell you if you've listened to the show, well, too bad. You're gonna just hear it again. Now the engineer that starts with an E, who that's sometimes is excited to enthusiastic. Three. Okay. And he, sometimes he even knows what an expert means that's four. is gonna tell us why we have the E in Ask Brian.
0: Well, there's a lot of words that have to do with <laughs> Ask Brian. It's kinda of like a theme. You said four of them. You no, said I did four. Not. Yes. You said engineer, because that's part of it, because that's me. Your engineer?
1: Well, not not if I make not your, your
0: assistant, not your if assistant. If I make your
1: assistant engineer, then we don't need the. Well, e then who's
0: the, then who is in, who is above me? Then at that point. Well, then? that's
1: mm-hmm. when we get AI.
0: That serves as an A and an I. There's no E in that.
1: Well, just like assistant engineer.
0: <laughs> well, there's a, there is an E in assistant engineer. There's the and, E and in no, engineer. No, I don't want to spell
1: the. First. Oh my god! I don't want to spell god, the first three no. letters no. of assistant.
0: Either,
2: Tracy, but. help me! <laughs> Enough. How about E? Enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. That's a good one. Don't forget about the word fun, Tracy. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. and this guy's
1: Fun starts with an F. Yeah.
2: Oh, Start having some fun.
1: Start having some fun. <laughs> we never have fun. We're a very boring show. <laughs> well, <laughs> well,
0: either way, there are other words we have. Experts, because everybody is an expert in the field that they're choosing here on the Ask Brian Show, experience because everybody's very experienced in their well, field. What do you mean
1: everybody's an expert? I mean, not everybody. Everybody that
0: happens to be on the show is an expert in their field.
1: Except for you, but okay.
0: I mean, expert engineer. Hey why I'm here.
1: Well, do you have five years experience? Don't have five, but I do have what, like didn't three. We say, didn't we say 40 hours a week and come up with that <sighs> Okay, on, your, on the Ask Brian
0: technicality, okay. yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and if he's working in radio, he's more than working forty
1: hours a week. This we know for sure. Yep. I'm not sure how many hours he works a week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: what other E's? Well we also have well you took away enthusiasm. Actually, there's a couple more coming back, but we also actually we actually lost our guest and he's coming back in, so wanna take it from
1: here while I get him back online. Absolutely. All right, sweet. So Tracy, do you know what the E's are?
2: I do know what the E's are, and I'm very excited about today's show because we're going to be talking about something. What? that starts with an E. Explore it. How about
1: well, that for an E? Well, that's true, but you know the biggest E of all, which <laughs> you didn't use, which was uh, empathy. Enthusiasm. No empathy. <laughs> empathy. We already said enthusiasm. <laughs> Tracy,
0: I liked your enthusiasm version. I liked that. <laughs> I really did.
1: Okay. Well, I have empathy for me, and I just. <laughs>
2: You guys are talking so much on this <laughs> But I have I have empathy for Patty every Aww, single show. Thank every you. every single <laughs>
0: show. Thank you. I feel it, Tracy. I really do. Well you
1: need to empathize. <laughs> <laughs> He's got yeah, a very, very tough yeah. situation. <laughs> Are there any other E's? <laughs> Are we missing any? Well, I mean, I was in the process. Yeah, oh,
2: I like that
0: one. Which? Extraordinary. That's a new one. Oh, Extraordinary. that's a new one we've used that. That was a new one, like, from like um, a week or two ago. Yeah, exactly.
2: Is Justin here? Do we have Justin?
0: Yeah, yeah, Justin is, uh, why Justin think, is back. Why would
2: you think he's not here?
0: <laughs> Justin is here.
1: Hey, everybody.
2: Justin's in the house. Justin's in the house. In the
1: house. Well, without any further ado, how do you spell ado? A-D-I-E-U. A-D-I-E-U. See, he's like a trained seal. I do that every week.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Patty, but that was pretty funny. For,
0: forgive me for my monotonous approach to that. Justin,
1: do you have any fish so I can throw to the seal? Fish? I'm a huge salmon fan. No, I meant to the engineer. <laughs> You're a Dolphins fan? What?
3: <laughs> you got that right, too, being in Miami.
1: I would think that. Good luck this year. We know the Bills are going to win. We're,
3: that pro- we're, we're, we're crossing fingers.
1: <laughs> you better cross your toes. Anyway, <laughs> we're here, and the engineer is laughing. That begins with an L, not an E. But we have, some, we have a very, very good guest. His name is Justin Myers. He's got a great company, and we're going to ask him a few questions. And I think you're going to be really, really enthusiastic about our guest, which also has an E in it. So, Justin, give us a little background about your business career before you started this latest company, and then we'll go dive right into the company and and things that are going on there.
3: Sure. Well, thank you, everybody, for having me on the the show. So, I grew up in Michigan and went to the University of Michigan, go blue, studied philosophy and economics. And then from there, I did management consulting with IBM for about five or six years, across many, many different industries. It was uh, an incredible experience with a lot of smart people, but of course, extremely corporate. And there was a point uh, while at IBM, I was like, okay, it's time for something different. And so I ended up moving out to Vietnam and I co-founded its first digital bank, also known as a neo bank, called Timo. Did that for about six or so years. It was actually an epic experience transitioning from you know big blue and corporate to a very much smaller team entrepreneurial and just blue ocean skies on where we could take the business and so about five six years after launching the bank um i took some of the same investors and brought them into my new business which is explorers and uh, we help our global community discover and experience the world's greatest places by curating insights in our app from world-class photography and travel experts
1: well, a couple of things before we get, dive into the company. So this bank, it was a regular ba- First of all, Vietnam. I mean, of all places, why? What, what drove you to Vietnam?
3: Great, great question. Well, I don't know if any of you have been, but it, for one, is a, is a phenomenal country. And when I was at IBM, I, I took about a, a, I think it was a four-week December vacation and traveled Southeast Asia. Fell in love with Vietnam, and I also fell in love with a lady who's now my wife. So what ended up happening is that I took a, a year leave of absence from IBM, took a bit of a break, moved out to Vietnam, spent time with her, got to know her world, and also was looking for some side work and that's how I got introduced to the founding investors who exceeded the digital bank
1: now, now, a digital bank is that that's a regular bank what What's the difference between a digital bank, the regular brick and mortar bank of America and a Bitcoin or that that type of currency bank?
3: Sure, sure. Yeah. So digital bank, especially at the time, had nothing to do with blockchain or cryptocurrency or or anything like that. It was really just doing most things on the Internet or on your mobile phone. And, And in Vietnam, as you would expect, and this was now about 10 years ago, I mean, mobile apps were all in their nascent stage and you had to do anything. You needed to either sit on the phone for hours, or you had to go in person to process any sort of banking transaction. And so we built from the ground up a full-fledged service offering for people to do their banking. Kind of our tagline was around lifestyle banking. So how does EMO, the digital bank, kind of accommodate the lifestyle of the Vietnamese? And so a neobank point, it's interesting. It's actually a really interesting business model. And there's a handful here in the United States, you may recall about also 10 years ago, there's a bank called Simple in the United States. And, and how these neobanks work is they create entirely the, the front end facing part of the business. So the customer acquisition, the marketing, they build the technology to do your banking services on the mobile phone. All that stuff's done by this kind of neobank, but they partner with a licensed financial institution, which actually holds the deposits. They're the ones that can, you know, operate a fully fledged bank, generate loans, et cetera, et cetera. So, the Neobank bank concept in Vietnam was similar to that model that was built here in the United States. simple and uh, yeah, it was a great success and it was a really, really exciting journey for me, as I said before, just transitioning from corporate consulting to you know dealing with a tech product
1: well that, that is very interesting and did you end up selling the company or what happened to that company?
3: yeah, so it was a great question. So another partner bank in the country acquired um, about fifty percent of business. And so I think now it's, it's branded under Timo Plus. And yeah, it's still operating, growing every day.
1: And so Justin, you have this new company, it's called Est. How, right. how did you come up with that concept? And did you do it alone? And how did it co- all come about?
3: Yeah, no, and, and I love this story. So and, and now that I've given you all the context of the digital bank, it's a great transition. So five years into the bank, I, I knew that being in the financial industry is not something that would enthrall me forever and ever. And so, you know, I, I talked with our shareholders and, and there was this understanding that I would transition into something else. So I was looking for that next big thing, the next, that next big idea. And so I was in Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, for a very good friend's destination wedding. And we were all with amongst friends in a pool, kicking around ideas. And I'm like, "Hey, so like, what's everybody experiencing? Is there's like some severe pain point that needs to be addressed? Like, help me kind of ideate this next big business that we can create." And then a a, a buddy of mine, a, a very dear friend who I've known for about 15 years, his name is Michael Lack. He um, is a professional photographer. He's focused primarily on on automobile clients. He expressed this frustration he had that whenever he's traveling. He spends so much time trying to find the great places to take photos. And before you know it, he's missing sunrise and sunset just because he's wasting so much time researching. Now, it's a clear use case for the photographer. But as me and my buddies were all in the pool, we kind of realized the same thing. When we travel, we're inspired by beautiful images. We want to figure out where these places are, too. So this, this pain point kind of resonates with the content creators like Michael, but also just me, who takes photos with my phone and just wants to visit incredibly beautiful places. So we thought we kind of had something there. And, and as with kicking off any big project, it starts with a small step. So I, I mobilized a phone call with um, another partner of ours. And, uh, and that's really what kind of seeded the beautiful story of Explorers. And if you're listening to this now, I strongly encourage you to take a look at the app on either the Play Store or the App Store because we have loads of beautiful locations in California that are featured. And if you're anywhere in the nation, we also feature lots of great places there as well.
1: So how did you start this? I mean, so you come up with a great idea, you know, and you know this great photographer, but I mean, you know, okay, now what? What's the next step to get something going, to create something?
3: Yeah, so I'm not sure if you all are familiar with the Lean Canvas business model. It's like a one-pager summary of a business opportunity. And so as I recall, I I kind of started with that, putting our initial thoughts, giving them some structure on this diagram that that helps you identify a business's key value proposition. And then after that, did competitive analysis. So did a bunch of research on different technology products that have tried to solve this problem, whether it be on the mobile phone or just on the internet. And there were a handful. Um, And it's actually funny, after we launched, I couldn't tell you how many people have reached out to us or like, commented on an ad we were serving. This has been an idea on my mind forever. Finally somebody has done it. So I mean the the idea itself isn't net new, but I think how we went about the execution is pretty unique. And so yeah, between the the competitive analysis and, and seeing that Michael as a is a professional photographer, he already had a huge network of other photographers that he that he knows across the world, actually. So we thought we were in a really kind of defensible strong position to build something like this.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. So you start getting these pictures, you start posting them, but you know, how do you figure out, you know, other than being a forum to post pictures, how it's gonna monetize? I mean that was actually one of the problems that they even had with Facebook even when it went public. Well, there's no revenue here. So I mean Great. And Instagram as well. I don't believe, I don't know much about Instagram's beginnings. I do know Facebook. And, you know, how do you think you're going to make any money out of it? I mean, great. You know, I can post pictures, you know, of my grandmother on the, on the internet. But what does that mean?
3: Right. Yeah. So monetization, as with any venture, you know, there's, there's a strategy of, oh, don't worry about monetization, just worry about, you know, acquiring millions and millions of users. But that's not the approach that I've decided to take with Explorer. So I always wanted to have a very clear path. To monetization. And to explain it, let me give it a bit more context. So when you open Explore, you're met with a beautiful feed of imagery. And when you tap one of those images, you access what we call a location insight. And it includes everything you'd want to know about how to get to that place and have the best experience, as well as tips to take the best photo. And this information is provided by photography and travel creatives like Michael, And we've got about over 135 now on the platform. So when you open Explorers, you're truly met with the most beautiful images from experts. Now, the first question is, how do we even incentivize creatives like Michael and the others on the community to to share this information? You know, they spend all this time and money exploring the world. You know, why share all this insight about exactly where they take their pictures, the gear that was used, the metadata behind the image? composition tips. I mean, it takes a a lot of time for them to prepare this information. And so we needed to think for the economics. And so what we decided to do, um, when we first launched Explorers, um, the company Patreon was really taking off, which was one of the the pioneers in in the creator economy. And so in Patreon, somebody who's a fan of a big creator pays like a patronage fee and gets access to XYZ exclusive contents, can chat with the creator, etc. For us, We charge our users a subscription fee to enjoy the tips related to content creation. And we share that back to the creatives who contributed their favorite places and all the associated insights. So we've got a creator economy model whereby users subscribe to the app for pro insights and we share that back to our contributing creatives and that's how we continue to scale. Now, all, everything I just shared is on the B2C monetization side. On the B2B side, it's in its early stage, but when we when we have to think through the pandemic and you know, how does a, a product like ours survive through the pandemic, it was definitely tough, but it challenged me to really think through monetization, and that's when we started to really think about how do we partner with different brands, whether it's a tourism board or a hotel, to feature them on the Explorer step, and so we're also generating revenue in that capacity as well.
1: So, Justin, you were telling us about some tips and stuff that, that these photographers have. Do they create the content? Do you create the content? And how does that all work? And can you give us some examples of some of those tips? Maybe.
3: Just yeah, yeah. thank you for that question. You know, I will, I will say on first impression, you'll be blown away at the level of detail and reliability that our, our location insight, the information that we have for each place, goes into. So and a location insight has the following. We rate the skill level. Give uh, information around its accessibility, Um, the time of day that's best to go for that beautiful picture. You know, opening or closing hours if it's got a venue. Tips on what to pack. The exact GPS coordinate that the photographer stood to take the photo, alongside a very detailed description on how to get there. I mean, oftentimes it's not so straightforward, especially if you're kind of climbing a mountain somewhere in California to get you know on one particular trail to make a particular turn. Those details can get lost pretty easily, and so we give a lot of added context on how to get to the actual best place on each trail say that we're featuring on on the product we have We pull in a five day weather forecast alongside the magic hours, so the best time of the day where there's the blue hour light or the sunrise light or the golden hour light or the sunset light and then from a content creation standpoint, each of the photographers or travel creators they've shared their own tips on. You know, when you're at that place, at that destination, how do you actually get the best photo? Should you use a telephoto lens and zoom in? Should you use a wide angle lens to so feature the surroundings more? All that information is, is packed in there. And then to kind of top it off, uh, the gear that was used to take the photo. And we even go so deep to, to share about like the aperture setting, the ISO setting, the F-stop setting, all, all those things. And many of the locations also feature incredible things to do nearby. So, for each place you find on the Explorer step, you'll get you'll get all this insight. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that's why I love it, especially when I'm traveling to, to new places that I'm completely unfamiliar with.
1: So, give us one tip for one place. One tip
3: for one place.
1: An example, just so people understand what
2: they're oh, doing. So, try Taos. Let's talk about Taos, New Mexico. Do you have a tip for there?
3: Taos. Taos, yes. Uh, I was sharing with Tracy that I, I recently bought an acre of land uh, in Taos. But funny enough, we have not yet launched. In Taos. So currently we're live in in over 20 destinations all over the world, but there are some major gaps here in the United States. And so, you know, we're a venture based company. We have an active funding round and we're also evolving the product to allow not just the expert photographers that I've referenced so far, but our user community can soon add and contribute their own location. So since you're over there, Tracy, and near Taos, you know, in due course, you'll have to submit some of your own favorites. That was going to.
1: That was going to be my next question. Now, big you you made a big comment here that is to me is very big. If you your website or your app has great pictures, I mean I've never seen pictures that great. Now, if you start Gorgeous. having people, regular people that don't have you know maybe using an iPhone or even less you know one of these uh, cameras that you can buy at uh, CVS, all right, the level of that quality of that photo is not going to be as good. So how do you control that from becoming just everything to keeping having good quality pictures if you're going to allow other people like the users to post?
3: Yeah, no, it, that's a, it's a great question. Great question. So it may surprise you, but some of the images you see on Explorers now were actually taken with an iPhone, a good handful of them, in fact. And I think what's beautiful now is there's been so much innovation to the camera phone You know, now my my iPhone has three different lenses, right? And so we're all kind of becoming our own photographer and the the editing apps are getting even more easy to use. So there's definitely this big need, right? Our our community wants to share, but you you raise an interesting point. I mean, despite having a strong camera on your phone and and good editing apps, it it is still difficult to take a, a great composition and to edit it in the right way that really brings the destination to life. And so we always want to be able to protect the curated, featured experience that you can expect now on the Explorer stat. But we do want to evolve the product where we're going to have a community feed that shows all the different locations submitted by our community. And the whole goal is to kind of cultivate the community members to become an expert contributor. So the app itself will always have the kind of functionality for you to narrow in on just the curated images that you that you see now on Explorers or taking a look at the community photos that were submitted around the same area.
1: Well, I know Tracy had some questions, so go ahead, Tracy.
2: Well, I, I want to acknowledge first about all of the highlights around the app and how much um, you've achieved in this window of time. So... You're awarded Google Play's Best of 2020 Apps, one of just 23 apps, including Zoom and Disney Plus from a pool of millions. That's quite an accomplishment. Do you want to share a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. No, I, I, I thank you for sharing about that. So, you know, we first launched Explorers in 2017, and we didn't launch on Android till the end of 2020. It was uh, the number one, the number one request from our user community was always, we need more locations, we need more locations. But the second most asked request is, when are you coming out on Android? And so it was a long time coming. And, you know, again, I recognize the, the patience and share my gratitude for all the Android users who weren't able to use Explorers. But yeah, last October is when we launched and we got selected by the, the Google Play Store in the winter time frame as one of the, the best of 2020 apps. and. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolute honor for that recognition. And it was, of course, helpful, too, in customer user acquisition, if you will. So, the you know, press is is tricky. You know, I mean, you can get a lot of good exposure, but I'm sure we all know it sometimes doesn't convert at the expectation that you would really want. And it's natural, right? Because the people reading about something, you know, the, the audience is so vast. But when it came to the App Store feature, I mean, that was super effective. At driving acquisition, and I think you know a, a tip. You know we have not yet been featured on on the Apple Store. That's, that's kind of a, a goal by the end of this year. But the way to get featured in these app stores or the Play Store is to leverage the latest technologies that platforms are offering to their app developers. And that's something that I think resonated with Android because we're using their latest and greatest functionalities alongside our beautiful app experience. Yeah, we got selected, so that was super super powerful.
2: You know, I think you make such a great point about PR, press, and entrepreneurship. And I think when you're starting a business, it's so exciting. You get your first press hit and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I remember when I launched Producer Podcast, we had the opportunity to do a press tour around international podcasts. And I was so excited because it was all through Canada and the Northeast. And I thought, this is going to be the one, this is going to be the big time for us. And uh, it did give me a lot of brand recognition, but in terms of conversions, that didn't necessarily happen. But it was a really great opportunity to leverage future partnerships, strategic things, and other opportunities. So I, I think it's good that you bring that up because not everybody really realizes that at first. They think that because they're in the press, that that's going to be like immediate revenue generation. And it's just part of the overall growth phase, I think. So kudos for pointing that out. In regards to partnerships, and it looks like you've really been able to attain some interesting strategic partnerships between Canyon Ranch and Jeep and some other tourism partnerships. Could you talk a little bit about how you were able to secure those partnerships and what do they mean to you from a financial monetization perspective and marketing perspective?
3: Sure. No, that's an excellent question. So, you know, as I shared at the top of the call, we've got revenue streams on the, the business to the consumer side and also on the, the business, business side. And on the B2B side, it's really about building brand partnerships so we can help them feature their product or their destination more prominently on the Explorer staff. So to clarify, we're, we're in later stage discussions with Jeep, but we have not yet narrowed in on, on a deal. But the big idea is to help Jeep, which is an incredible, incredible automobile brand, you know, be featured on the Explorer staff because at the end of the day, our community loves to explore, and they need a way to get to these great places. So we, we see that as a very natural fit. And I think that's a really another important point is when it comes to evaluating partners, we want to make sure that it's a fit for our brand and our community, right? So the other two that you mentioned, so Canyon Ranch, it's a, an incredible wellness resort. And so we have our first project with them slated for, I think it's November of this year. Super, super stoked. And we'll be sending two of our photographers, both California-based actually, to Canyon Ranch to shoot the property. You know, they'll of course do some social media advertising, but then also we'll leverage that image the images that they produce on the Explorer staff. So as a consequence to the project, we'll be able to feature Canyon Ranch also on the Explorer staff, which currently they have no presence. So we're we're basically creating content for the Explorer staff. We're helping brands like Canyon Ranch. But at the same time, we're helping our user community discover more great places. Similarly, with Visit Qatar, so Qatar Tourism, we've sent now about four of—I think it's about eleven—scheduled content creators already to Qatar to shoot content with a similar with a similar structure. So the produced imagery will also be featuring on the Explorer tab. I think that the launch of Qatar, which will blow your mind, it's it's actually an an incredibly beautiful country, very small but but packs so much. We'll be launching Qatar on the app um, later this year it may it may slide into Q one of next year just because of the pandemic, but the partnerships are super at,
2: super important Oh no doubt about it and i would I would imagine that you walk a fairly fine line you know coming back to what you were saying about respecting the audience and respecting the brand, so are the advertising and sponsor messages integrated? simply because the photography is done at their locations, or are you actually inserting some sort of call to action within the app that gives them an RO, a tangible ROI as a link back or something like that? How is that working?
3: Right. No, that, that, that's, that's an excellent question. And so, I mean, we, of course, have data analytics and reporting so we can share about, you know, who's viewing the information um We will also have call to action so they can learn more about, say, Canyon Ranch or Qatar as a destination. We actually have an editorial section in the app, too. So different businesses can, can kind of co-write with us different blog posts about their destination. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of native original content that we create with these different brands. And, and I also want to mention, I mean, that these are commercial partnerships, but we also partner with nonprofits like Leave No Trace and The Nature Conservancy. You know, what a very important cornerstone of our business is helping people discover and explore the world, but to do so in a very responsible and conscious way. And so when you open the Explorer step and you try to get the details on exactly where is this location, you'll be met with a list of the seven Leave No Trace principles before you're given the exact GPS coordinate of where to go. And so, you know, partnerships to us, it transcends just the commercial side, but also in in kind of the nonprofit and environmental awareness side as well.
2: I love it. Will you ultimately or do you already have the ability to integrate donations in regards to these nonprofit organizations? So I know it seems like a really good brand awareness tool for them, but is there a way to connect your audience in order to contribute to their fundraising?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, I mean, we as a company donate portions of our proceeds to leave no trace in the Nature Conservancy each year. And permitting our users to do the same thing is something that we we also want to do. And, you know, with the whole craze around crypto and the tokenomics, I mean there's even a there's even a scenario that I've thought about whereby if we tokenized Explorers, you know, a portion of every transaction can almost be burned to a wallet that helps these nonprofits. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned it and it is something that we want to make very simple to do within the, the explorers experience for our user community in due course.
2: I think that would be an amazing way, you know, to just have that whole full circle from protecting where you're going, showcasing the beauty, but then also giving your audience an opportunity to give back. Very powerful. So when you mentioned the pandemic, that led me to think about asking around, seems like an interesting time to launch a travel-focused app when the world was being shut down. So how did that impact your growth or did it? And what kind of things did you put in place to overcome those challenges?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say, as an early-stage business in the travel space, 2020, you know, by definition, wouldn't be our our best year, but surprisingly, we saw a lot of growth, and I'll tell you why. Local discovery spiked in ways we've never seen. We couldn't go far, and you know everybody really wanted to reconnect in, in any way that they could. So instead of thinking about oh, I'm going to be going across the country or going across the pond, you know, what what can I do within 45 minutes for me? What can I do within a few hour drive for me? And that um, we saw a lot of usage spike in that regard. But, and this may surprise you, local discovery has always been the primary use case. So if you're based out in California, when you download Explorers for the first time, you'll see a feed of the nearby locations that are standout near you. And that's the first use case. That's the first aha moment. That's the first thing you'll actually do with, with the product is go out and discover something awesome that's near you. Now, you may say or think, Oh, well, I know I know my area. Well, I would challenge you, take a look at, at the app. I mean, when we first launched in Singapore, as I mentioned, I was in Asia. When we first launched in Singapore, we were serving our ads and, and acquiring the user base in Singapore. And I would say, anecdotally, 50% of the locations that we featured on Explorers, a Singaporean didn't know where that was. And so, you know, to your question, Tracy, local discovery and connecting with what's around us was really what what, what helped us grow through the pandemic.
1: So, how many people do you think you're going to have on the platform in a three to five year period? And obviously, this is a guess, but I just want to get a an idea where you think the company's going and how you're going to get there.
3: Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. So, you know, I like to think big, so let's let's also think long term. You know, five years out, we explorers would love to have fifty million users and to have locations across over a hundred countries in the world. We want to help people no matter where they are discover beauty around them, to rely on explorers as a product to help them plan wherever they want to go next with family and friends or even on a solo trip. And to do that we really need mass scale of locations. So what what unlocks users is to have more locations. Because right now if you're in New Mexico in Taos what we were just talking about, there's no explorers locations. We don't feature anything in New Mexico at the moment. So there's not much you can do today. But once we scale across New Mexico and, and a lot of the other places here in the United States, anybody anywhere in the nation can get immediate use out of Explorer. So that's the key. Scaling our locations to 100 countries all over the world, and that will yield you know, with a lot of other different strategies, our uh, acquisition of 50 million users.
1: Tracy, you had a question?
2: Well, I wanted to ask you—you know—your personal journey as an entrepreneur and scaling this business. Do you have any tips for anyone listening in terms of how did you survive the launch and the lean window? I should say.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I—I I still ask myself today how I'm surviving. So there's a few, there's a few things I'll, I'll share here. First is to lead with your heart. If you think too critically, sometimes you get lost in the detail um, and. You know, But if you can kind of take a step back into your heart and think through you know, what you're trying to build for the world and how that didn't really solve a customer problem, I think that's truly the, the, the first step. But the second is really having grit and perseverance. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times and not just with Explorers, but even with the digital bank business that I built prior to that, you know, things really, really hit the fan. And, and we didn't know how or where we were going to pivot or move to next. So there's something to be said that perseverance is the way. But this is the key. I mean, waking up and and still pushing on on an idea is super, super important. But at the same time, it's essential to relentlessly listen to the customer that you're serving. So that's something we've done with Explorers. We're always talking to our user community, asking them what they need. And we have a lot of different constituents when you think about it. We also continuously speak to our network of creators who we heavily rely on to keep sharing you know their, their incredible insights. So perseverance is super key. The relentless listening to our customers' needs is critically important. And then I think the other point I'd mention is this recognition that every opportunity is, is attached to a person. So when hiring a person, thinking through what what doors could they unlock for the business, for our user community? When partnering with a creative or photographer, what what impact would that have? For our business, but what effect would that have for other creators that are considering to contribute to the platform and fundraising, which is also essential for me to, to, to grow the business with our team up to 50 million users is, you know, who is that fund or that investor that's going to believe in the vision of Explorers? And so when, when you think about opportunities being tended to a person, it really kind of puts into perspective what I should or who I should be speaking to next.
1: We only have about 20 seconds left, so why don't you just tell them about the app and then uh, we got to cut out?
3: Sure. So, Explorers helps you discover great places all over, and so you can download us at the App Store or the Play Store. It's free, um, and hope to see you exploring.
1: Thank you very much for listening to the Ask Show, KGS 1220, 98.1 FM. Thank you very much. Have a great week.